rancid if kept for long at room temperature. People with wheat sensitivities can sometimes tolerate spelt or kamut flours, which have less gluten than ordinary wheat flours. They make a delicate pie crust, but one that is more crumbly and harder to handle, tending to break and crack. Fat. The classic fat for North American pie crust was originally lard. When vegetable shortening was developed, Crisco and its relatives replaced lard as the standard fat, partly because of lard's reputation as a saturated fat. Recently, however, we have become aware of the health risks of trans fats, which occur in vegetable shortenings made with partially hydrogenated oils. So now we aren't so sure we want to use vegetable shortening for our pie crusts after all. What about butter, you ask? Butter is also a saturated fat, and butter alone does not make a perfect pie crust. A butter crust is flaky, but it is hard and flaky rather than tender and flaky. So what's a body to do? Both lard and butter are sources of saturated fat, while vegetable shortening offers us trans fats. What a choice! My solution is to use half butter, half lard, because this combination makes the best pie crust, and I just let the saturated fat chips fall where they may. Now, I must tell you that creditable pie crusts can be made with olive oil and vegetable oils, often using milk instead of water as the liquid. These oil crusts are easier to make, and the fats are not saturated. Comprehensive cookbooks like The Joy of Cooking give recipes for oil pie crusts, but these aren't real pie crusts to me, and real pie crust is what we're talking about here. Yes, a lard and butter pie crust is full of saturated fat, but the trick is to be moderate. I could cheerfully eat a pie a day, just like Papa M, but I don't. I try to limit my pie making to once a month. And I'd rather have the real thing made with butter and lard, but have it less frequently. Now, back to lard. If you buy your lard at the supermarket, please check the ingredients list on the package. Many commercial lards contain partially hydrogenated vegetable oil. At first, I couldn't figure out why they were adding vegetable shortening to lard. And then I learned that shortening acts as a preservative for the lard. Even old-timey farm housewives used to melt a three-pound can of Crisco into the lard they'd just rendered as part of their November hog slaughtering to help the lard keep through the spring and summer at room temperature. But we don't want partly hydrogenated shortening in our lard, do we? So look for lard without that added ingredient. Old-fashioned Hungarian and other ethnic delis often sell lard, as well as goose fat, that they prepare themselves. If you know of such a deli near you, take advantage of it. What I do is make my own lard, two or three quarts at a time, and keep it in the freezer. This is more than enough for a year, and it takes virtually no effort. Track four on this CD is devoted to making your own lard, should you be interested. Water. In a good pie crust, each little globule of fat is separate from its neighbor, each one surrounded by a coating of flour. 
To help maintain this separation, and thus the flakiness of the finished crust, the liquid used is ice water. Warmer water could encourage the fat to melt, which you don't want. Salt. The salt I use is fine sea salt. Tools. When I was a girl, pie crust recipes recommended cutting the fat into the flour with two table knives. You held one knife in each hand, crossed at the blade, and then you swept them past each other, cutting anything in their path. This took forever and was only marginally effective, and it didn't take me long to move on to the better way, using my fingers. My hands are almost always cold, which is awkward for playing the piano, but great for making pie crust. If you have very warm hands, it might be better to use a pastry blender whose five or six curved blades cut through the fat. Or you can start with the pastry blender.